and welcome to Dialogue. This is State Senator Paul Lavota, and you're listening to Dialogue with State Senator Paul Lavota. That's me. I represent the 11th Senatorial District, which is located in um, northeastern Jackson County, Missouri. I serve 178,000 people in Independence, Kansas City, Sugar Creek, unincorporated areas, parts of Raytown, parts of Lee Summit, and um, Sibley. I think I've got everybody. Um, and I'm proud to uh, have this program where we talk about what's going on in state government, state politics, and really what's going on in the world. And I'm glad you're able to join us every week as we do this. Um, I would like to first welcome to the program, um, I'm going to say good friend. Good friend and the executive director of the Missouri Democratic Project, Courtney Cole. Welcome, Courtney. Well, thank you, Senator. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for being here. And uh, typically we have the Independence Mayor Pro Temp, Chris Whiting, with us, but he's not here with us this week. Um, He is actually doing his job (laughs) as Mayor Pro Temp. He's representing the city at a conference in St. Louis, Missouri, Hmm. and um, he'll be missed. Yeah, always. But, uh, you know, there's still some state news going on. We're very close to an election right. that's coming up Tuesday. Mm-hmm. A lot of different things that will happen. But really the thing to talk about is <laughs> the Kansas City Royals. Yeah. I, I, I was thinking it's just silly if we didn't talk about the Royals. You have to. Absolutely. So, You've got your royal blue on today. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So they lost. They lost Game Seven. You know what? I don't. I don't feel like they did, though. I don't well, feel like we lost. Well, you need to look lost. at the score, three to two. Yeah. Well, I know that there's always the the end result of the numbers, but uh-huh. as we both know, people sometimes lose their races, but they, in a way, win. Well, I I think that's a good way to look at it because this morning I was upset and uh, disappointed that the roles were so close, mm-hmm. so close, yeah. and they worked yeah. so hard and they did amazing performances. As did the Giants, but more than that, it really got the whole community together, yeah. and it was it was an exciting time and a memory I think that we'll have in this area. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the Royals <laughs> play at Kaufman Stadium, which is in my senatorial district. Oh, really? Yes, and uh, oh. I'm proud of that. And yeah. uh, I kind of decided that I'm going to be for 24 hours. I'm going to be very angry about it. Oh, oh, okay. And then le- this is later, like a conscious decision you've made. Yeah, and then later I'm going to realize what a great gift. Um, any opportunity to bring the community together is. Yeah. And right. um, this is this is a fun fun thing. Yeah. And uh, yeah. time consuming. I'm exhausted. Yeah. That was like that was the speech I gave on the night I lost my campaign. What did you say? <laughs> Just that you know it was a great opportunity. I remember looking around the room, seeing all these people who you know were involved in politics who hadn't been involved before, and you know because I ran, I gave them that opportunity. And even though I lost my race, like. Those people are still continuing to be politically involved. That's and good. So it's a win. That's how I look at it. Well, and I think that the, with the Royals, they came from the bottom all the way to the top. It was very exciting. It gave our state definitely something, you know, to smile about, which right. is rare. And, you know, we should cherish that. And I'm just, I'm not going to let the spirit go. Yeah, I, I guess I won't either. And I'm, re- I'm extremely proud of the area I represent and extremely proud of that team and this community sure, coming together. Yeah. And, you know, even you saw the Giants won and they had riots, and uh, today the Royals had a big pep rally. <laughs> and that, that just shows um, that power of bringing people together. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to bring that up. But usually what we're going to talk about is not bringing people together, and that's politics. No, wait. <laughs> uh, wait a minute. It's is things that bring people together, and that's the election. Um, and we'll use uh, our news to... 
kind of go over a little bit about what's going in the election. Now, the weekly news roundup brought to you by the good folks at Liberty Realty. Here's Chris Whiting. Uh, Courtney Cole. Substituting for Chris Whiting is Courtney. (laughs) Four constitutional amendments on the November 4th ballot. Oh, boy. See, the rolls just keep going. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Keep taking over. This is good. Missouri voters on November 4th will decide proposed constitutional amendments separately relating to the admissibility of evidence in prosecuting sex crimes against children, eliminating teacher tenure, early voting, and the governor's authority to balance the state budget. An initiative petition funded by conservative St. Louis mega-donor Rex Sigfield put the teacher tenure measure on the ballot while the Republican-controlled General Assembly authorized the others. Amendment 2 will allow, would allow evidence of prior criminal acts to be used against a defendant accused of a sex crime involving a child victim for the purpose of showing the defendant is likely to commit such crimes. Under Amendment 2, allegations of past crimes for which the defendant was never charged would also be admissible. So-called evidence of prior bad acts typically isn't admissible in criminal cases due to its inherently prejudicial prejudicial nature, and the Missouri Supreme Court has twice ruled unconstitutional state laws that attempted to allow such evidence in sex crime cases against children. So th- um, that is um, one that I think makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, recently I put out a uh, uh, on social media an email, and I did a blog about um, some background on some of these amendments because they can be confusing. I think we've talked about them before mm-hmm. on the show. Um we I did try- for the primary the, in the August. Oh, we didn't do these? I we thought haven't we done did. these yet. <laughs> well, you know, some of these, th- I, I put it out there to help explain mm-hmm. what it is um, in a very non-prejudiced way so people can kind of decide for themselves. Right. But I certainly have an opinion on the on these. Uh, Amendment 2, I think, would help kids. It would help prosecutors. And I support Amendment Number Two. Okay, that's what that bell means. Oh, can, can okay. you not figure that out? I, I mean, see. come on, yeah, yeah. Um, well, can I have some input on? Sure. This? Okay. Well, I looked at this as well and had decided that yes, I was for this. That I thought that this would be good, you know. Okay. But then I had saw too some some arguments on the social media, um, <laughs> <laughs> stating that this was, um, you know, that it was prejudicial just exactly what it says here mm-hmm. you know just that that um other people's acts shouldn't be taken into account whenever it's brought into court and i disagree especially whenever it's involving a child yeah you know that if if a person has um you know evidence shown in the past that they have behavior that is similar to this it should be taken into account that's what i think yeah i i, I think so too and um, I don't see how that's even... And since there's been court cases that say mm-hmm. it's unconstitutional, when this rises to the level of actually changing the Constitution. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Okay. Well, Amendment 3 would eliminate tenure for public school teachers. <laughs> uh-huh. And require local school districts to develop standards. Are we ready to move on? No. <laughs> Are no. we not? No, Did you no, have no. something else no, you'd like no. to say? Yeah, go ahead. No, I'm teasing you. Okay, okay. Well, I'm going to start over then on Amendment 3 because I feel that it deserves okay. its full attention. All right. Amendment 3 would eliminate tenure for public school teachers, I knew it, and require local school districts to develop standards-based systems for evaluating teacher performance to be used in decisions relating to teacher retention, promotion, demotions, and compensation. That's what she said. (laughs) Amendment, this is perfect, that was perfect timing. Amendment 3 
also would strip teachers of collective bargaining rights relating to the design and implementation of a a district's teacher evaluation system. Nearly two months before Election Day, Teach Great, the Sigfields-funded group that put the measure on the ballot, abandoned its campaign for Amendment 3, citing online polling showing that Missouri voters are likely to to reject the measure. Well, this is something that... Oh, yeah, the crowd is against, and uh, I, I'm very much against this. That was so loud. <laughs> I, it was super loud, and I'm very much against this. It, you know, I, I am I am tired of these folks who um, want government to fail and want a system where only the rich get good education and the rest have to have a job where their wages are so low because they're not educated. Right. They don't have to pay him much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what this is all about. Sure. Sounds like a big conspiracy, but that's what it is. Right. So they want to blame any type of um, needed uh, improvement in education, saying that we need to get rid of, of all this stuff, and they pick on teachers. Right. Teachers right. who don't get paid much. Sure. Who, um, you know, have a little to do with what the curriculum is now, mm-hmm. now that we have all these different federal common core and a desi that doesn't respond to right local educators we let's pick on the people who actually try and do their job yeah and that's well, they're wh- the little guy so they don't have a voice mm-hmm. and so it's easy for them to make them the problem you know and it it just sets up our mentality as a public um you know to suddenly start blaming the teacher for these things when i have to ask the legislators how can you do that when you don't even fully provide funding and the resources yeah. that how can they be so critical? You well, know? because they they can, and you know I. Um, That's wrong. And I don't know if we'll get into it uh, this week, but I recently did an interview where I talked tried to talk about tax policy. I may want to play mm-hmm. that sometime because. That's really what's going on in education. We have bad tax policy. Mm-hmm. We don't have enough resources for educating our kids for the future. But this group. He doesn't like public education in the first place. Mm-hmm. Want to get rid of teacher tenure? I'll have them not have collective bargaining, and really put a clamp on local districts and doesn't allow them to have the right to do anything. Yeah, it, right. It makes um, each school district have to follow a prescribed process mm-hmm. that they this group agreed with. So I say, <laughs> okay, they're wrong on this one. Yeah, I agree. And I strongly, I strongly urge everyone to vote no on this one. Yeah, and don't just assume either that it's going to fail, even though that's been the talk because they've abandoned this campaign. You know, we've got to make sure that we turn out the vote, too, so that our teachers are protected. Amendment 6. Turn out for what? Yes. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, next one, yes. Amendment 6 would constitutionally authorize an optional six-day early period that excludes weekends and ends five day, days prior to a November general election. The General Assembly would retain the power to block early voting in a given election year by withholding funding. Republican lawmakers proposed Amendment 6 in an effort to preempt a a significantly more expansive mandatory early voting proposal that had been expected to go on the November 4th ballot via initiative petition, but that ultimately failed to receive the necessary number of signatures. So Amendment 6, we rushed through the General Assembly because there was another petition initiative about early voting. That petition initiative talked about early voting in terms of allowing people to vote on the weekends, six weeks out, um, what other states have done. This one makes it only from 8 to 5 at the county seat. 
uh, six days before the election, up to that Wednesday before, and only if the General Assembly appropriates money. So this is a complete uh, Trojan horse that is hidden to stop early voting. It may actually expand those six days, but all it does is expand early or uh, stop real expansion of early voting. And the purpose of that is to suppress the number of people to vote so people who are already there will win. Mm-hmm. That's the majority party. Well, and if I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there was no language in the Missouri Constitution about early voting prior That's to right. this. And so this would then be the introduction of this idea into our Constitution. Yes. And um, it, which would then make it much more difficult if we were to go back and try to tweak exactly. or make changes. Right. I mean, it's, it's a sham. And yeah. uh, what's really bad about it is that um, it'll be in the Constitution. And we saw. Uh, I would say an unpopular amendment barely pass right. uh, called Right to Farm. I mean, majority of people voted for it, but barely. Mm-hmm. Not even 51%, mm-hmm. 50.2 or something, something percent. I don't remember what it was. And we changed the Constitution because that? Right, right. I mean... Um, We've changed our Constitution here in Missouri more times than we have actually changed the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, and, and it's much easier to do, and we shouldn't change the Constitution for this. Um, and uh, I will be going to vote as early as I can and voting no on early voting. Okay. All right. You like that? Yes. Yeah, okay. that's good. Okay. That's loud. And the last, uh, the last amendment here. Amendment 10 would weaken the Missouri's Constitution's balanced budget requirement by authori- authorizing the General Assembly to overrule the governor when he makes mid-year spending cuts to ensure state budgets remain balanced. Such legislative overrides would require two-thirds support in both the Senate and House of Representatives. I just remembered something. Uh-huh. I don't agree with this, but you know why I think that I, I was thinking we did this before is because I listened to you on another program. Yes. And I guess I need to double your pay for the dialogue program so you don't leave that <laughs> us together. And you did a great job explaining all these. Thank you. So um, especially this one. You did a really good job explaining it. Right. Because this is something that we passed out of the General Assembly. Mm-hmm. And it all goes back to the issue that we have with budgeting in the state of Missouri. Let me take you back. Let me tell you a story, Yeah, everybody. I was going to say, you need to explain this because I learned it from you. We okay. spoke before, and that really helped me. Well, currently, here's the situation in Missouri. We have – we create our budgets based on what's called a consensus revenue, and that – Revenue number is a consensus between the House, the Senate, and the governor. You come up with that number that of wh- how much new revenue you'll be getting. Then you budget based on that. You mm-hmm. think, well, next year we'll have 4%. Um, I think that we thought it was 4.5%. Last year the governor thought it was 5 Yeah. i am not giving the exact numbers here, but well, roughly there was a number there. Either, right? And there was no consensus on it. Yeah. We're, we – the the General Assembly was closer than the governor, but it wasn't exactly right. So when that happens, we're required by our Constitution to submit a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. We do that. Then if the money doesn't come in, the governor will withhold things mm-hmm. to make sure that, you know, we're not spending money we don't have. All makes sense so far, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here's a problem. When you don't have the right number and you budget for some type of consensus revenue as opposed to budgeting for what you had last year, right? then 
there's always going to be an opportunity for the governor to withhold. So you, when you don't agree upon the number, the mm-hmm. governor can always say, well, I'm going to withhold mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So he thought the number would go down based on some legislation that was passed last year. Mm-hmm. The General Assembly overrid some of his vetoes of the budget. Mm-hmm. And then when we overrode those budgeted items, he withheld them right. because he, he says the money's not there. He still went back and withheld. He still went back. And there's no check on his... Um, or I should say, not his, because we currently have currently have a male governor, but there's no check on a governor's <laughs> see, yes. ability to say, well, we don't have the money coming in. Because later in the year, they go, oh, yeah, we had it, mm-hmm. but we didn't spend it. Mm-hmm. What this amendment does, it allows the General Assembly to go by a two-thirds majority and tell the governor, do not withhold that. We believe that money's there. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, the proponents of this will say, that's only fair. The General Assembly um, makes the appropriations, and the governor shouldn't be able to withhold and play politics with it. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ads that say that. I don't know if you've noticed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've okay. really been going after it. The sure. opponents of this say, wait a minute, you're going to blow up our budget because you're not giving the governor the ability to uh, withhold when he wants to. Mm-hmm. Here's, where I, here's where I fall on, on, yeah, on I want to know. I support this because it's a two-thirds majority. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty that's what you call a supermajority to override the governor. And when it comes to our budget and the appropriations of our budget, it starts in the House and goes through the Senate. It is a function of the legislature. And allowing a governor, this governor, any governor, to just withhold whenever they want right. without any possible check, mm-hmm. I think is, is not um, the – is not – what our government should be because the legislature should be in charge of that function. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, I think it will be very difficult to, to um, get a two-thirds majority on, on withholds. I, even though there's a strong really? That's Republican thing, I just think it will be very a very difficult hurdle to pass. Um, be, Do you see Republicans siding on, on these other? I mean, I, don't, I just don't have much faith in our legislature right now, to be honest, you know, in regard to the well, decisions. That and making. I'll be honest with you. I don't have I don't have faith in the legislature. Mm-hmm. I don't have faith in the governor's right. numbers. Right. So I don't have faith that that would happen. But I I don't know how you can make this decision even, you know, when there is no consensus in regard to the number to start with, mm-hmm. because without that, then everything is up That's in right. the air in regard That's to right. what what it really is. And then we leave all of our agencies, everyone who receives state assistance, then in limbo as well. Mm-hmm. In regard to what's really That's going right. to come in, and That's it's right. irresponsible government is really what we have at play. That's right. Even whenever we have the majority, which goes and votes based on and pushes through these budgets, mm-hmm. and and I agree, the governor should not just be able to withhold even for political purposes, which we've seen in the past mm-hmm. that it's been used for. So there does need to be some kind of yeah and, change. Well, and the 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 truth of the matter with this amendment, it doesn't change it very much. Mm-hmm. But it does give the legislature that check. There's yeah. there's checks and balances everywhere. I mean, if the governor doesn't like a bill the legislature passes, we can override him. Right. This should and uh, should, an appropriation yeah. is a bill. It's part of a bill. That's right. And that's we should why be I th- glad they didn't do the whole thing. That's why I think it's okay. <laughs> and you know, I guess I, I guess I'm glad that they didn't say the governor doesn't can't has to spend exactly what they tell him because that would be right unfair as well. But I here's what happens with withholds. They come usually at the beginning of the summer, right after the budget process, and then at the end of the fiscal year, mm-hmm. and the end of the calendar year. We're not in session then. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we need to change the well, schedule. Well, my point is, 
I don't know those who think we're going to sit there and override the governor every five minutes on this. We're not going to be around to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. We're going to have to wait till the next time. And by that time, he may have released it or the governor may have released it. Yes. Or the financial numbers have changed. Right. So it's a pretty big hurdle, and I think it's only fair. Mm -hmm. So I am for this. Have you decided where you are? No. Well, I I, I can tell you this. Um, I'm uh, just frustrated with the whole thing. I I can tell you this as a a senator and um, as a friend. Okay. <laughs> if you were to in here telling me you were for Amendment 3 that stopped teacher tenure, you and I would have some issues. Yeah, we would have because a Because I really am very much against this. I would have a throwdown with myself. Right. That would be weird. It would. But on this one, you know, I can understand being against it. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to vote for it. I'm in the legislature. I understand the importance of checks. Mm-hmm. I think it's a fair check. And, um, you know, if you don't have a lot of, of uh, faith in the legislature, then I get that as well. Right. You know, here's another thing. Here's another example in my mind that the the people of Missouri, follow me on this one, people of Missouri said no to money for transportation. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I haven't yet to meet anyone in the state of Missouri that says, oh, we don't need to do anything with our transportation. It's fine. Yeah, we have great roads <laughs> right. and bridges. They're just great. What they say is, I don't believe the, the legislature is responsible enough to take this money and do what needs to be done with it. Mm-hmm. And that's maybe the sentiment that you're feeling when you're like, I don't know if I'm going to give the legislature more power on this. Yeah. I get that. And that's why we need to have sound budget things. We need to have sound tax policy. Yeah. Um, and the resources and the commitment to fulfill the things that we think are important. I guess I just feel that if they're going to regulate something, which is what they're doing here because they're, you know, restricting right. somebody's powers, then we shouldn't. If if they aren't even coming from the beginning with a solution or yeah. or with uh, the the correct you know figures, they shouldn't then be pushing a constitutional I, amendment in our faces to make a decision on it because they're not acting responsibly to begin with either. I think Does that you're make right. sense? I, I think I, I can completely see your point. So I think I'm going to vote point. no because I think that it shouldn't be something that should be thrown up as a constitutional amendment that we change to our Missouri state constitution without giving it. Proper that, thought. That makes sense. That makes sense because it because it doesn't rise to the level for you on that one. Right. I'm I'm gonna vote no. Okay. And I'm yeah. gonna. So there you go. Very good. So all of these constitutional amendments then uh-huh. that are ratified by Missouri voters are going to take effect on December fifth. So that's not a very long turnaround. It's no. only about a month. And that is all for the news brought to you by the good folks at. Liberty Realty. Yay. Very good. Thank Very you. good. Thank you. So that's, that, that is the latest of the news. And um, Hey, I have a question for you, Senator. Yeah. Um, well, what have you been up to? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I mentioned the Royals, didn't I? Yeah. You can mention them again, though. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm sad about it. But, yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, I have been um, – well, I mentioned – last week that uh you know just a lot of stuff that was going on was able to go to the inspire fundraiser at the big biscuit and then the fall choir concert truman high school that was a lot of fun uh the truman high school football game uh playoff game where they uh won against north kansas city take that lauren arthur and um them's fighting words and moved on and then there was the senior night for my daughter who's in the band there 
I had a lot of fun at the Independence Halloween Parade. Um, All right. Was able to um, be in the same car or truck waving with the Independence Mayor Pro Tem, Chris Whiting. Oh, my goodness. So that was a lot of fun. (laughs) We walked with the Sunshine Girls of Independence, and they were all dressed up and passed out candy in the side and... Um, it's a it's a big event. You've you've it was a really been nice through their buffet. I think mm-hmm. you came one time. Your daughter lost uh, a bracelet. A bracelet. If, and if then anybody threw has off. found that bracelet, <laughs> then I need it back. I mean, she has been thrown a fit ever since. It's been bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was we'll able never to, forget it. Was able to go to, to the Chiefs game to see them beat the St. Louis Rams, which is just complete great bragging rights. <laughs> um, uh, some some productive meetings with the uh, fellow Sanders throughout the week and. Uh, uh, was able to go to a meeting uh, yesterday with Stowers Institute to uh, learn a bit more about their cancer research particularly, and it seems pretty promising, and it's a great facility we have here in Kansas City. Spoke with the um, the, the fourth grade class over at Chapel Lakes Elementary School. Um, they'll be going to Jefferson City on a site visit in a couple weeks, and that was, was able to talk to them about state government. And... Uh, that's what I've been doing. What have That's you been up to? Yeah. That's a lot. Um, man, what have I been up to? Um, there's been a lot going on. Um, parent-teacher conferences were this past week, you know, and then we've got Halloween coming up. So there's been a lot of um, stuff going on for me as a mom and um, family stuff. But then, um, of course, this election's right around the corner. So I feel like I've almost been in this monitoring mode of just being there so that whenever, you know, somebody needs me, then I can get right back to them. And um, that's kept me pretty busy. There's been a lot going on. And, and um, so that's been exciting. Now, you were on, the, you were on a, um, a radio program talking about the, um, the elections. You talked about the amendments. What did. What did you, you share about the Senate particularly? Um, talked about the different Senate races that we have throughout the state. Uh, of course, Jill Shoup in uh, Senate District 24 um, over in St. Louis has been doing a phenomenal job, and we've, of course, been giving her a lot of support um, all throughout you know, her race uh, because she is such a great progressive leader that we have that has common sense, and um, you know we need her strong voice in the Senate for sure. So she's got this race um, against... Um, her opponent is Jay Ashcroft, mm-hmm. and he is um, former Governor Ashcroft's son. Well, yeah, I heard you say that, but he also was U.S. Senator Ashcroft. Oh, U.S. Senator, and a, yes. And U.S. Attorney General right. Ashcroft. <laughs> so, you know, he, he's he got the name ID, even though it's not, he doesn't really come from that area um, originally. He still has that name ID um, that is there, and she's got that hurdle. But she's just done a, a really phenomenal job of fundraising and Um, you know, staying strong on the issues that are important to her district and, you know, her reputation in the House and how she will continue that into the Senate. And so I'm very excited about that race, of course, and uh, we want we want Jill to win. Um, And then uh, Representative Rorta in District 22 in Jefferson County has a tough race there um, just due to the numbers, really, as far as like the demographics go and um, the way that the the performance is there democratically um, against Representative Paul Wyland. And, you know, the Republican Party is really dumping in um, to that race to help uh, Representative Wyland, who is is um, 
I would say, more on the extreme side in mm -hmm. regard to the votes that he has taken um, in the legislature. And so, again, I think we need somebody, you know, with, with common sense, and uh, that will be an yeah, interesting someone, race to watch. Someone who is from that county who is worried about working people and that's right from the area and working hard. Yeah, so, definitely, yeah. definitely. And then um, it was a Kansas City um, – it was the Kansas City – I'll get it wrong, uh, Heartland Labor Forum um, radio show. And mm -hmm. so I wanted to be sure, of course, to talk about uh, Dr. Stuber's race. And I know that I've talked about Dr. Stuber's race on this program quite a bit, um, who's running against uh, current Senator Rob Schaff in District 34. Um, it is in both Platte and Buchanan County, so it encompasses North Kansas City um, in the southern part of Platte. And I tell you, it's a, that, too, has become a real battleground. A lot of eyes are on that seat to see what happens um, on Tuesday in regard to the results. But I can tell you that Dr. Stuber's working very hard. I listened to him on, a, on the radio um, this morning talking about the Missouri Prescription um, Drug Program, the monitoring program that we do not have here in um, our state that, you know, the Senator Schaff, who— uh, and both of these men are doctors, which makes that interesting, too. Yeah. And they have different views upon what, you know, needs to happen health-wise here in our state in regard to Medicaid expansion and this drug monitoring program. And where Senator Schaff is completely against these solutions, these mm -hmm. things, um, you know, Dr. Stuber is definitely for them and sees the, the benefit that it will bring um, Missourians. And so uh, I got my fingers crossed for Dr. Stuber, you know. He's, I've just watched him work really hard and... Um, he's got a lot of energy in his campaign. I'm excited to see what happens on Tuesday. Well, the you know the national media um, is kind of predicting a Republican year. year. Mm -hmm. um, they, um, you know, the the president's uh, approval ratings is down and is in the sixth year of any incumbent president. Um, it, that party doesn't do very well, mm -hmm. um, and um, Usually in off year elections, right. uh, Republicans seem to turn out and Democrats don't. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I'll find that quote from Harry Truman I saw on the Facebook today that <laughs> um, maybe will motivate some folks. I'll find it here, right here. But um, but the other thing that was interesting as I was watching some of the, that national press was they were showing the um, they were showing the U.S. Senate races from around the country, mm -hmm. and they showed the top. I don't know, seven perhaps. And in each one of those, mm -hmm. the Democrat was was behind the polls hmm. by like one or two points. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Everyone likes to run the last election. Mm -hmm. And if every, everyone listening can remember 2010 was a huge year for the Republican Party. Um, 2012 um, wasn't. It was uh, more Democratic maybe more neutral, really, in Missouri. But yeah, I, still think I don't know how the person running against Mitch McConnell, the the U.S. Um, Republican leader of the Senate is only down by two points, mm -hmm. and it's a Republican year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see who turns out. Um, but you saw Republicans winning and Todd Aiken lost. You know what I mean? That's true. That's so true. I think people are, are um, not necessarily voting straight party ticket anymore. You're right. And, you know, we look we look in Kansas and we, we see a lot of the media in the Kansas City area mm -hmm. of uh, an independent doing well against a Republican incumbent. Right. You know, for U.S. Senate. That's right. You have a Democrat in a very Republican state mm -hmm. um, leading in the polls against a Republican incumbent. So, you know, I 
people people have said and in the, the organizations I've talked to, people like to vote independently. They say they vote for the person and they say they vote for the issues. I've been a lifelong Democrat. I grew up in Harry Truman's town. I believe in the principles of helping the, the middle class. Um, I've been a, a uh, you know, a party leader in the House. Yeah, right. So I'm clearly a Democrat, all right? You can't run away <laughs> from that. But I tell you what, if we're going to talk about being independent, mm-hmm. Democrats are going to do fine. Yeah. Because we're going we're gonna to care more about the middle class, um, our district first, right. and party second. Yeah. That's traditionally how Democrats have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually a Republican who tells you, oh, they both, both sides do this. Well, in the state of Missouri, Republicans take more money and spend more money than the Democratic Party. I can tell you they're more reg- regimented and vote a party line. And the 10 members of the Missouri Senate are the most diverse people I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, mm-hmm. that's why I'm excited about Representative Shoup, Representative Warda. And, you know, if Dr. Sh- Dr. Um, Stuber can win against an incumbent, we're going to have three more independent people in the Missouri Senate. And I think that's good for, for yeah, absolutely. Um, our government. Yeah. So, well, and, and, you know, there's another independent. It's an uphill climb because of the numbers of the district is Representative Ed Schieffer, who's that's a right. very independent Democrat. Um, <laughs> very. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so. He served his district for a long time while being in the House. And, right. you know, he understands the needs in that area. And I'm glad that he's on the ballot. You know, um, I think that that it's all of the races that we have right now that are going on are really interesting. And. Um, Who, who's the who's the Republican in in St. Louis area that I'm supporting? Oh, uh, well, let's not bring that up. <laughs> Can we not talk okay. about that? We don't need to do that. Okay, uh. thank you. Uh, anyway, so <laughs> that's what's going on with our races around the state. Oh, uh, no good, huh? No. Okay. I did talk about the house races too that were happening here in the Kansas City area and kind of gave a quick update on that, but I don't know as much about about really what's happening in those races because I'm on the Senate side and work on that side more. Um, but I do know that, you know, Representative John Mayfield, of course, um, is working very hard to, to keep his seat there. Um, he's been a good voice for working people, which is great. Um, and then uh, Ken Duvall, who's running against um, uh, Representative Gary Cross in the Lee Summit area, um, he too would just make a fantastic legislator, and I wish him the very best. And then um, Patty Johnson, who I think has now run three times in a row. I don't know how people are able to do that. Um, Mark Ellibrock, too, both of them together um, are going to be on the ballot uh, next week. And so I wish them the very best. Uh, I ran with them whenever I, you know, in 2010. And they're just, they're really good people. And, um, and so it, I would like to see them successful, of course. Well, I know that uh, uh, Representative Mayfield is doing well. Uh, he represents the district well was able to watch the uh, the form, local mm-hmm. form. He did very well in the form. His Great. his uh, Republican opponent was unable to be there. Oh, interesting. It was a 7.30 Monday evening thing, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. with plenty of notice. The Independence Examiner um, organized it. Um, the candidate. We've been seeing that a lot, one, actually. One candidate, John Sutton, was there. Mm-hmm. And the incumbent Republican, Noel Torpy, was there. Yeah, see? But the Republican challenger against John Mayfield was unable to be there because he was serving veterans' dinner. Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was trying to win votes. Well, I I call veterans. shenanigans on it. I call it I too. call shenanigans, and I think that he was clearly not 
um, able to sit there and face the people and um, answer questions and, and the and the record of John Mayfield, who is, you know, he's does a great job for his area. Yeah, he does. Oh, okay. See, I found a couple quotes from oh, Truman. Okay. You ready? Okay. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, on being bipartisan. Whenever a fellow tells me he's bipartisan, I know he's going to vote against me. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when when uh, Harry Harry Truman also said, "We are in we are in a hard." tough fight against shrewd rich opponents they know they can't count on your vote their only hope is that you don't vote at all so um i think that is could um true words have never been said for this election and i I hope everyone gets to vote um okay i was going to get into my my tax policy discussion because i feel strongly about it and i'm trying to figure out a way to make it a little more interesting when i talk (laughs) about it to folks but we can hit that next time. We've okay. talked because the election is Tuesday. I hope everyone goes out. If you have any um, specific um, information that you need from me to help um, with with the election process, I sure would be glad to help. I mean, um, if people want to get involved, what would you recommend them to do? Um, I think they need to contact their local county committees mm-hmm. and then just get in touch with the um, folks that are running and volunteer some time. You know, I. I highly suggest getting involved on the campaigns for those candidates that you believe in. Um, gives you a great insight into the governmental process and what it takes to get there, yeah. actually. Um, which is kind of a different, it's a totally different thing in a way. Um, even though you're still dealing with those same issues. So, yeah, I well, encourage everyone to do it. One other thing to wrap up. On uh, Thursday, November 13th, we'll be having this program dialogue. And we'll be doing it live, videotaping it. And uh, you're invited to attend. If you want to attend, please let me know. I'm at Paul Lavoda, or actually Paul at PaulLavoda.com. And uh, give me a, an email. We'd be glad to make sure there. We're, be- we're going to have dinner before for special guest. Yeah. And uh, do you want to announce right now who our special guest is? Um, <laughs> our special, yeah, sure, absolutely. Okay, let me turn the music down a little bit. Okay. Okay, so for our first taped dialogue town hall, mm-hmm. we will have the special guest, Independence Mayor Pro Tem, Chris White. Woohoo! Yay! Oh, Yay! <laughs> so we, we'll be talking a little bit more about that next week. So thanks for listening to Dialogue. Have you anything else to add, Courtney? That's just a great show.